Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the 19th episode of Tales of Tamriel. Thank you for coming back to listen to us again. As always, I am your humble host, Agelos, and with me this afternoon, we have the femme fatale herself, she who refuses to do veteran rank spindle clutch because of the spiders. Ace, how are you doing this afternoon, my dear? I'm, I'm good. I'm really good. Sleepy, but good. You up for some uh, VR spindle clutch after this? Not unless you're planning to take me to the ER from a heart attack because of all the spideys. You know, when we first, uh, when I started putting together this episode, the first thing that I did was I actually have the post ready to go on the website. So, you know, I'm doing my thing. I'm writing up the little notes on there, et cetera, et cetera. Some stuff I got to fill out yet when we're done but I had to pick a feature image. And the feature image I picked was ironically the picture of when me, you, and Kipster were running Spindle Clutch. And it's really funny, because when you look up in the chat, I it, it makes sense to me, and Kipster would probably get it. But when you look up in it, you see just the tip of my message going, guys, you should see her. She's over here crying in the room going, I don't wanna, I don't wanna. And Kipster's like, what? It's just a road full of spider webs. Remember when you had to cross the spider webs? I felt so bad because I did not want to cross it. And everyone was already across the way. And I'm standing there walking back and forth like, I don't want to cross it. I don't want to cross it. Well, that is the picture that we uh, we have for the image today. So, all right. Now, before we begin the show, we do have a few things that uh, we wanted to go over. First off, I wanted to give a shout out to an awesome fan, Carnigan, uh, for starting a civil war between Thaise and myself by sending us motifs and materials. Whoever got the motif was hated on for the rest of the day. Seriously, though, I do want to thank him for generously sending both Thaise and I um, some rare motifs that we didn't have. I think because of him uh, and another guildy, uh, Sergeant Clark, that... The only motif that I'm missing now is Imperial, I think. Uh, what about you, Thais? Do you know what you are missing? I do, and I don't know about you, but I hated you for more than the rest of the day. It probably went on for three days or so that I was just sad and fuming. The, the only ones that I'm missing are Imperial, because I don't even see why they put it in the game if you can just you know, switch your gear to Imperial. Well, you can only switch your gear to Imperial if you had bought the Imperial Edition. 
So, you know, those, those later down the road will have to find a crafter who didn't buy the Imperial Edition to make it Imperial if they want it. And barbaric. So I was, I, I was so excited to get the Daedric one because it was the one that I wanted more than, than any other. I don't know why, but it was just, I, I, I almost peed myself from joy. That is how happy I was. <laughs> well, I'm going to ruin your chair. All right. Um, and also, let's see here as I'm scrolling down through my notes because I lost my spot. Um, I do want to thank both of those uh, gentlemen for giving us both motifs. They've been spoiling us like crazy. Yes, thank you so much, guys. Now, finally, as we mentioned on last week's podcast, we do have an Imperial Edition copy of the game to give away that was generously donated by a guildie, Arkaneer. So uh, this is what we're going to do. Anyone who wants to receive this copy of the game, please go to talesoftamriel.com and under the news heading for this podcast, that's going to be episode 19, post a comment about why you would like to receive this code, either for yourself or if you have a friend you want into the game, you know, let us know and we will randomly pick one of the list of commenters and we'll give the code away on the next show, which should be episode 20. All right. Well, that was all the announcements for today. Let's get into the news, even though there wasn't a lot of news going on this week. First off in game news. You know, it was really funny. Someone actually tweeted this to me about mm, two days after we did our last podcast. Because remember you were saying in our Tales section how you were going to try out a, a Thief Sorcerer? Well, look what the Battlemaster Corner has brought us. The Thunder Thief. And the little tagline is not every sorcerer spends endless days wearing robes and studying. So, yeah, this uh, this is pretty much your build, I would imagine. It seems like... Um, why don't, why don't you go over some of the, the skills, because you'll probably be more aware of it. Like, read off the skill and, and say what you would use or if you like it. I, I actually read through it, and... I enjoyed seeing what he had here because it, it pretty much is exactly what I wanted to do. And for primary skills, they have Whirling Blades. Every good DPS needs to be able to take care of multiple enemies, which, you know, completely works since I always feel like I can only kill one enemy at a time. So that always makes me a little sad. Next, they have Surge. You might not wear a robe, but he's still a storm-calling mage. With this skill, you can use lightning powers to give a boost to his blade's damage. Oh, wow. Um, riddle me this, since I am the sorcerer noob here. Uh, what is it that Surge, what does it do? Like, I get Whirlwind, and I think I get Flurry down there, because those are both in the dual-wield spec lines. So I get those. What does Surge do? It's just, it's a buff. You hit the button and, you know, buffs you for a few seconds. I don't, I don't use it on my bar because you only have five buttons. Does it augment your damage with light, like lightning damage? Like, does it add like a proc buff or, oh, we're not sure. Okay. Um, that's interesting. Lightning powers give boost. Okay, continue. Now, lightning form I do have on my bar currently. I, I 
enjoy lightning form a lot, especially because it makes me run faster. Because <laughs> I'm always sprinting away. And they have Flurry, uh, Rapid Strikes. And lastly, they have Mage's Fury, Endless Fury. You know, bleed the enemies and strike them down with this ability. This explosive, this explosion deals AoE damage and recharges Magicka, which together, that's pretty lethal. Is Mage's Fury, is that the one where it's, it looks like they stick their hands up there and they shoot the lightning straight down? And is it the one, if I remember correctly, isn't this the execute ability where it does extra damage if it's under 20% health? If you kill it? Okay. I wasn't sure. All right, cool. Now, in case I'm incorrect here, I'm sorry. I have a horrible memory. So to remember all of my skills at once is actually really difficult for me. But I, I, I do my best. Okay. Um, secondary skills, it looks like what he does is he adds sparks, crystal shards, wall of elements. I think he uh, switches up with a staff. I'm um, not going to go too much onto that for secondary, but he uses the ultimate overload and power overload. Is, is this the uh, is this the Emperor Star Wars? You know, let the hate fill you ability. Okay. Yes, it is. It's it's a really good ability. Although I really enjoy my Atronach. It's just it's a great skill, and it takes the heat from me to to him. And it, I feel like that's a much better ultimate to have. Yeah, but when you're doing this, you can sit there screaming, UNLIMITED POWER! And that alone makes it awesome. Yeah, but I'm a Jedi, not a Sith, so I'm always on the light side. Alright, I, I, I can respect that. Alright, so if anyone is interested in reading about the Thunder Thief in the Battlemaster Corner, that is available over on the official website. Next up on the news, we talked about this a little bit last week and we theorized because I saw some tweets go out and they kind of teased us with it a little bit. But they finally released the uh, Book of Concept Environmental Art uh, for the ESO poster collection. And the little book contains 40 removable 12 by 16 posters um, of their different concept art and, and environment art. And you know what? I'm actually kind of surprised because... Um, while there's some jerks on Twitter, naturally it's the internet, uh, when they first announced this, I saw a lot of people going, you know, going, oh, great, now it's 150 bucks, right? You know, that kind of stuff. Surprisingly, you know, while it's their merchandise and they can do what they want with it, I wasn't expecting it to be this cheap because normally they are a little a bit more on the higher end of things. But for the... ESO poster collection, it's only twenty four ninety nine for for the book. And a twelve by sixteen um poster, I mean it, it's it's a small poster, but it, it's not too bad. But again, forty of them for twenty five bucks is not actually that bad. I'm I'm surprised. Weren't we considering repainting our bedroom? With forty posters, we could probably cover a whole wall. I I don't be okay. The math is a terrible boss, but I don't think 40 16 by 20 or 12 by 16 posters <laughs> would cover an entire wall for us. But nice try. It's a good thought. Maybe maybe the center, but the math is not strong with this one. It really wouldn't cover the wall? 
I, I see. I, I, I don't. I can't think of how big those dimensions are. No, I guess not. Um, maybe not. Your little poster up there, your little Zelda painting, that might be twelve by sixteen. Maybe it's a little bigger, but it's not much bigger than that. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, that thing's tiny. So oh. even with forty of them, it, I don't think it would do everything. But anyway, still twenty twenty four ninety nine for the Elder Scrolls Online poster edition. If you're interested, you can check it out. Uh, you can get it from Insight Editions or Amazon. Both have it. And I'm assuming they'll eventually have it on the official Beth blog store. Uh, they don't have it there as of when I last looked, but it normally doesn't take them too long to get it there. Okay. Moving on to the next section of the news. We were... Um, I guess here's... We were treated... From on the official forums from Jessica Folsom uh, about an upcoming Nightblade update for fixes to the Nightblade cat our class. So the the post goes: We are we have an ongoing effort to improve the Nightblade class and fix some of the outstanding issues. And below is an early look at some of the incoming fixes and improvements you will see in the content patch 1.2.x. Okay. Um, also worth noting, there were three night. Uh, actually, I'm not going to read that part yet. <laughs> three Nightblade class abilities impacted by this general combat note from 1.1.2 patch notes, where they fixed an issue where a number of abilities were not properly able to cause critical strikes. Now, they did say they're going to go in and they are going to update the Nightblade class. Now, I I have a Nightblade, but he's like three, so eh. I hear a lot that the Nightblades are <sighs> sucky. <laughs> Lackluster. I I think they're not. They don't do as much damage, and they don't have near the survivability. Like they don't have the survivability of a Dragon Knight, or the OPness of a Dragon. I don't think anybody does. Uh, they don't have the mobility of sorcerers, and they don't really have like healing of Templars. So, while they're supposed to be really powerful single target damage, I think a lot of people are saying they just, as a Nightblade, they feel kind of eh. Um, so, it, it's nice to see that they're going to get some fixes coming up in the next patch. Are you alright over there? Okay. Alright, so... I guess there's not a lot you can really say about the Nightblade update. I mean, we could really go into it, but I'm not going to waste too much time reading over patch notes. But if you're interested, they are on the official forums uh, under the general discussion. You will see the Nightblade update. And if you are playing a Nightblade, I do encourage you to check it out. Maybe you'll have a little bit of, I don't know, light at the end of the tunnel. Don't give up on your Nightblade yet. They may be fixing it. So, you have anything to say on Nightblade before we move on? I I haven't made it to, to to max level, and I'm I'm maybe I think I'm around level twenty, and maybe I don't pay attention well enough, but I don't see all the problems. I just I enjoy my Nightblade, but I feel weak on my Sorcerer as well, and I'm probably one of the only people that feels weak on a Sorcerer, so I don't notice the weakness that comes with the Nightblade. Well, you know they're not Templars, so yeah. And actually, yeah, but your Templar is not a Dragon Knight, so booyah. Ooh, 
I was burned, burned hard there. Um, you know, it's I, I find this kind of funny because if you look on uh, one of the best times for the Ethereal Archive trial, they got it down to like 11 minutes. I don't know how they did it, but they did all of Ethereal Archive in like 11 minutes. They had four Nightblades. Like they had a lot. Out of 12, they had four Nightblades. So for a class, you know, for people saying that the class doesn't do very well, I, I have a hard time feeling, you know, coming from our raid background, both of us were raid background in Warcraft, and Warcraft is notorious for this. But if your class or spec doesn't do much damage, no one wants you in raid. I know I was a rep paladin in BC. People wouldn't even take me to heroic dungeons. I mean, I'd see people in chat going, looking for one more DPS for heroic whatever. I'm like, I'm here, I'm here, I'll do it. And they're like, oh, what class in spec? Oh, rep paladin. And they're like, uh, no thanks. Oh, I felt terrible. See, I, I would get that same feeling, but it's not because my class sucked. It's because I can't DPS to save my life. So I can actually feel your pain. Yeah, but I was a good player. It's just by class, no matter how good you were, like even the numbers, you were doing 20% less than what most people were. No one wanted to take you anywhere. And I, I find it hard to believe. I, I threw that analogy out here to say that for a hardcore progression guild that obviously if you can get Ethereum Archives down in, in 11 minutes is, why take four Nightblades if they're that bad? You know? That's a really good point. So they're obviously not that bad. I'm sure that there's a bunch of people out there playing Nightblades that are pumping out the crazy DPS that other classes are. I think a lot of what stems from the Nightblade problem, and I could be wrong on this, and, and fans of the show can please correct me, I think there's a lot of abilities. Like, they fix the... Where, certain abilities weren't giving critical strike when they were supposed to. But I think a lot of abilities aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. So it forces Nightblades to, you know, they don't really have a choice. It's like, if you really want to do damage, it has to be this ability. You don't even bother putting that one on your bar. Unlike, you know, uh, I'm sure it's safe for Sorcerer, but I don't feel like any ability on a Templar is useless at any given time. I think some are very situational, but if I were given a random bar, you know, if someone, okay, here, you know, you roll dice and someone threw dice down and uh, my bar was randomly filled with certain Templar abilities, I could, I could probably get through a lot of stuff with what they gave me, you know? And I don't feel, feel Nightblades have that option. But, uh, so it'd be kind of interesting to see what they change. Okay. Uh, you have anything else on the Nightblade update before we move on? Okay. No? All right. Moving on to the next news article, which I thought was kind of interesting. Zenimax has confirmed that they will be bringing, when they bring down the PTS, and this was a few days ago, in preparation for the next testing cycle, as part of maintenance, all PTS characters will be wiped and will be configured in the server so that everyone with an active ESO account will be able to test on the PTS in the future. 
That's important because originally there was during beta there was a group known as the Sigic Order. Okay. Yes, there's a lore reason for the Sigic Order, but I'm not gonna get into that right now because it's news. But you you your account got flagged as a Sigic Order beta tester, and you were allowed to test on the private PTS. Hence why when we had beta weekends, we'd sign on, we'd play for three days. But people were still streaming and doing stuff on the PTS, the private test server, who were part of that Sigic Order group. Because it was up all the time. And now they're making it that anyone with an active account can now get on it no matter what. Similar to other games that have public tests. I don't know an MMO out there who doesn't have a public test server besides maybe some you know, free-to-plays or... You know, stuff like that. I don't think Guild Wars 2 does. A lot of free-to-plays don't. But Dark Age Camelot does still. Rift. Warcraft. I think Wildstar has one. I'm not sure. I think they do. But even so, it's generally a pretty big thing that games have public test servers that people can go make pre-made characters and test content. And I think a lot of the reason why... Uh, there were a lot of bugs at higher level zones and stuff like that when the game was released was because ZeniMax did not allow us to create pre-mades on a public test server. They kept it private. And of course, you know, I'm just going to say it, a lot of the Sigic Order testers, you know, were they testing all the time? I don't know. They might have. Some probably more than others. Some might not have actually tested at all. Or play just a stream and that was it. Were they testing? I don't know. I doubt it for half of them. So I think that was a mistake on Zenimax. So this is definitely nice to see them rectifying it by making it so that the next time that a big patch comes out, we can all come on there and test the content. You have anything for the uh, public test? I'm sad I wasn't cho- chosen for the Sigic Order. All right, I'm going to say this before. You didn't even really want to play half of the normal beta test after, after like, the first one. I have to explain why, though. Because, because I get so into my games and I become my character, it always broke my heart in beta because you could only play to a certain level and your character always got wiped. I didn't mind testing the content, but 10 betas later, I'm like, all right, I've, I've already done all this. I just want the real game to come out. But if it was, if I was in the Sigic Order and I was able to, to make a pre-made character and like test the high-level content and things like that, I, I feel like it would have been different. Well, here's the other thing that uh, Zenimax did wrong. The Sigic Orders didn't have that. They had to make... Their character wasn't white, but they didn't get pre-made. They had to go... They leveled up. I would have done that. That that would have been cool. I would have gotten to experience it all. And I'd have gotten to test it all before everyone else. And I'm, I'm really good when it comes to reporting bugs. And I did that a lot over the betas. And then they wiped your level 50 VR12 character. And I might have died a little inside if that was me, probably. I know a lot of... I know uh, one or two people who actually were in the PTS for over a year. And when the game came out, they didn't even, well, you know, they didn't even continue playing because they're like, you know what? I've been playing it for essentially a year and I just don't want to keep going. So uh, could you have said you could play in a, like for an entire year on the PTS just to have it wiped? You know what? I, I really don't think 
I could after putting that much time in and then to just have it gone. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. And maybe I'm happy. I'm not part of that then because then I would have missed the whole, you know, game experience with it launching and all the, the, the community and uh, take back everything I just said, just erase it all. <laughs> yeah. I can honestly say that while I would have liked to help participate, I, I get that same feeling, and even when we did the normal betas, I didn't even listen to the quest text, because I refused to... Could you imagine having to skip everything for a year? Uh, I I wouldn't want to do that either. Okay, we're going to move off of that. And the next thing that on our news docket is Community Programs. They released another Adventures Handbook issue number two, where they highlighted a couple guides done by the community for people to actually use first off there is a great overview of craglorn by dolphy if you don't know who that is they are a group of people yes that um do a site and do a whole bunch of different game guide stuff we use them a lot for uh guild wars 2 they did a whole bunch every time there was a new uh holiday not holiday event but living story event they would have like how you get all the achievements and everything i use their guides a lot for that so that's kind of neat. I saw they have a couple videos out as well for how to do Authorian Archive. I don't know if they have Hellross Citadel yet. They might, but it's been a few days since I looked. Um, next up, they there is a guide about veteran rank gear in that you can obtain with Alliance Points in Cyrodiil from Tiso Elite. Those guys over there are awesome. And they have a pretty, pretty detailed guide about all the veteran gear you can get. Um... I'm not going to get into that one too much. That might be a discussion for another day. Because some people don't like the gear because it's... While Xenomax said they've never had PvP gear, I'm going to argue with some of the different people out there who said, oh, Xenomax said they would never have PvP gear. No. They said they would never have a PvP stat. Meaning like resilience or something like that. This gear does give you benefit against... Play like reduces damage uh, that you receive from players... Um, allows you to do more damage to players, but they said they would never have a PvP stat. And so, while I think it's kind of a cheap move from Zenimax, technically speaking, the wording is correct. They are not breaking their promise. They're just being shady. Uh, finally, Tamaril Foundry took a look at Dark Anchors, and they have a pretty cool little guide about that. Uh, one thing I'd like to point out from that article is they did a... Uh, they did a really good point. If you're out there farming Dark Anchors, invest in the Fighter's Guild. Almost everything does extra damage to Daedra. You should have Fighter's Guild abilities, and you will rock those Dark Anchors. Um, have you seen any of these guides or anything of that nature? I haven't, actually. No. Although, the, the one in here that I probably would look at is the one about the Dark Anchors. Because there's so many mobs that come out of those Dark Anchors. And there's all kinds of achievements for the Dark Anchors that it's, we haven't even touched the, the, the surface of. So that one is, is definitely the one that I would look at. I hate to burst your bubble on that one, but I have read that article. All those achievements are random. Like the bosses that pop out are random. Oh, Oh man, that means I'm never going to get any of them because I have the worst MMO luck of 
anybody on the planet. Yeah, I was looking at that too, but yeah, like all the ones where it's like slay the son of Molek Ball, it's all random that in the final wave there's a random chance. I thought that these these ones were gonna be in later like specific ones, but no, it's random. So like you could you could do the same one over and over again. I was thinking a lot of them might be higher end. I think we got one uh rare kill. One. Um what in rift yeah uh, was it in the rift um yeah where we got one of those special achievements for uh doing dark anchors and i'm like oh it's now that we're in higher levels but apparently they can even spawn out of lower levels but it's completely random so you could be hunting dark anchors for a long time i am so sad right now all those dark anchors we killed out of like 50 levels wow that is, I am really sad. I I was kind of expecting, I think it would have been kind of neat if they saved some of them. Again, random will keep people doing it, and they added chests to it now, so they're beneficial, which now I want to do Dark Anchors a little bit more, because um, they finally did add rewards for doing them besides the first time for the experience. But, uh, yeah, all random, the special mobs. But, anyway... We're going to move off of that, and that is the Adventurer Handbook. If you're interested in seeing any of those guides, there are links to it on the official Elder Scrolls Online page. You'll see it right on the home page. Next up on the news is a final piece of news that on Monday, that will be June 2nd, during the regular maintenance period, they're going to be releasing a new patch 1.1.3. That is mostly meant to fix some technical issues, but there are some Nightblade and Templar uh, loving in there as well. Um, since Nightblades and Templars are the are the keys here, uh, the the big things I saw in the patch notes was punch puncturing strikes for my Templar, which is the uh, really good one, by the way, reduces global cooldown triggered after this ability is used and slightly increases the ability resource cost. Uh, this change in, uh, impacts puncturing strikes and all its morphs. That's the one where you sit there with a spear and, you know, it's really powerful. I like that they're reducing the global cooldown, but we'll have to see how much the ability resource costs. It's lower, but you can only spam it a couple times before you're out of mana because it's higher than some of the other abilities and uh, we'll see how much they've increased it um next up there are changes to catalyst path of darkness and veil of blades in the night blade such as the ability to do critical strikes on uh veil of blades um and they've increased damage on path of darkness and they've increased uh, rank 1 to 15% and rank 2 to 30% on Catalyst, the passive ability bonus. So, Nightblades are getting a little bit of loving. Finally, the big note that I saw in here is they fixed an issue in Trials where treasure chests uh, were only being allowed to be opened by one group member and then it disappeared. Now they've fixed that because it should be, be able to be looted by everyone in your party. Man, that would really suck to be able to down a trial boss, go to get loot, and the first person to open it gets the loot and no one else does. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So that means I could get all the loots? Oh, wait, not anymore. Man. 
well, you would get your instant loot, but that's it. Anyway, if you're interested in checking out the patch notes for 1.1.3, you can either wait till Monday, which will be the day that you're actually listening to this episode, probably. It's when this episode will go live on iTunes. Or you could check out the patch notes on the forums or the patch notes that Tamriel Journal put together, which are pretty nice, so you should check those out as well. All right, that ends our game news. As I said earlier, there was not a lot of game news to talk about this week. But um, for discussion topic, I just I want to have a quick discussion. I've been checking out the forums a lot lately. And there's been a lot of complaints under the PvE side for dungeon difficulty and how it's too hard. They, you know, I, I, dungeons suck because they're too hard to do. Um, we've been through, at this point, every dungeon in the Ebonheart Pact point, except for, I think, two. We're missing two of them, the highest tier. And we've done Vault of Madness. I haven't finished it yet, but we got up to, like, the second to last boss. Dungeon difficulty. Face, tell me, tell me a little bit about what you feel about dungeon difficulty from what you've experienced thus far. I think it's perfect the way it is. It's not so difficult that you're bashing your head against your keyboard, but it's not so easy that you're just steamrolling through. You do have to prepare yourself for pulls. You have to make sure everyone's there. You have to not pull too many. I know that when we were doing Vault of Madness, we were actually considering who we were shooting, who we were pulling to us. The one boss gave us some trouble until we figured out how to beat the boss, and then it was cake. Dungeons aren't trials. They're not raids, but they shouldn't be so easy that they're nothing. Like You don't want them to be nothing. You still want them to be fun. You want them to be worth your time. So dungeons to me are definitely not too hard. If anything, I would say make them harder. I, I really would. Except for that one public dungeon in the, the frozen city. What was it? Hall of, oh, Hall of the Dead. That one does not need to be any harder. No, definitely not. Well, the thing with public dungeons versus the instance dungeons, I'm sure you know this is the fact that you can cheese it by having multiple people. If you're running with a large group, you're you're done. Um, I'm actually tending to feel like all the dungeons in this game are too easy. Every one. Every single one. The first... Mm, probably the first six dungeons, which are the ones in, you know, Stonefall starting area, uh, Fungal Grotto, I don't remember what the other ones were. Um... Even at level, you don't even need a tank for it. You can do it with 4 DPS and a healer, or 5 DPS, or not 5 DPS, what am I saying here? Uh, 4 DPS if people have heals, like an off heal. Like, you really can just, as long as you have 4 people with decent damage, you don't have to do a whole lot. Most of the first 6 dungeons, even the bosses only have 1, maybe 2 mechanics that you have to learn. If that I, I don't think they're that difficult. Now, later on, it helps to have a tank. Arguably, you could do it without it. A fully a fully like heavy-armored-out character might even be able to do it without a sword and shield if you don't mind the boss bouncing back and forth. Now, see, that I disagree with. 
I, I, I do agree that the dungeons are too easy, but without a tank, I, I would I would take one shot to the face and I'd be I'd be out. I really would. Well, that that's the kind of build that you're doing. But like my Templar, I can hold out on alone because I'm wearing mostly heavy armor. I have a little bit of health. I have some, you know, damage mitigation and a little bit of wait. Would would you say I'm a full tank? No, um, I'm just a very survive. If you if you built your character to be survivable, you could do it. And you know, I disagree. I think you should need a tank and you should need a healer. But the first six dungeons, and it's not just me saying this. I've seen videos of people doing this without dedicated healers or tanks. They go in there with four. Four, bla- four people who have a resto staff or a templar or something like that, and they just off-heal. You know, they flip the thing, heal a little bit, go back to damage. They don't even need a tank. The only dungeon that was that gave us any trouble when we first started was we walked up to that boss and I said, babe, this is not going to go well. We're going to die. And we died twice, and I knew it wasn't going to go well. The Dwarven Centurion, that boss. That, and we, we didn't have a tank. We had... There were, there were four of us. You and I were... No, no, it wasn't you and I. We actually did have a healer that time, but the healer couldn't keep up. I had to off-heal. We had no tank. It was you and some Nightblade. That boss gave us trouble because the mechanics you really had to pay attention to. And if you were not running when he was coming at you, you, you were dead. That was it. Right. Um, but actually, I went back there later and did it again to help some other gillies out. We didn't even have a tank. We didn't have a full healer. I was healing. And we were able to pull it off because I told them exactly what to do. Once you knew about the mechanics, like, I told everyone to pull out a bow or a staff and go ranged. He never got close enough to touch any one of us. And we downed him with four DPS. I don't think I even had to heal more than once or twice for the entire thing. And I wasn't that over-leveled. And they were at level. So... Yeah, I, I know that first time when we were talking about it and we had some difficulty, the person doing it was being dumb and they weren't moving out. Of, like, the tank was like, I'll just stand here and tank it like, you know, I'm Warcraft tanking or something. I'm just standing there. And the guy was spinning in the red circle. He was standing in red. That's why he died. Got a problem with Warcraft tanking? I got a problem with standing in fire. <laughs> Alright, I, okay, I have a problem with that too. I don't like when players are stupid. If what you're standing in is red, that usually means you need to move your feet. Which is probably where some of those problems are coming from. They're saying dungeons are too hard because they're dying repeatedly because they're standing where they're not supposed to be standing. Right, see... Honestly, and we're, we'll get into this a little bit. That's what I wanted to talk about. Was... If you're a good player... And I, I'm, and I don't mean this to offend anyone, because I, I really don't. If you're a learning player, you can learn to get better, but I think a lot of people in the forums that are complaining are just bad players. And they're whining, saying that the dungeons are too hard, that they need to be changed because they're too hard to do, blah, 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 and I can't do it. So, obviously, it's too hard. Well, when you stand in red and wonder when you're why you die... Is that the game developer's fault when you know, I'll say we're good players. We are, you know, we're, we're not to say we're, we're the best because we're far from the best, but we're, we're above average players when it comes to MMO mechanics. Um, and we don't have a problem with it. We're the point where it's easy. The average player 
should for most of these dungeons i would say are fairly easy like i mean they shouldn't have more than maybe one or two one attempt to find out what the boss does and if you can put one and two together you know figure out the math going oh when he spins maybe i shouldn't be standing in that they survive the next time you know i don't feel like there's anything that is that difficult up to like Vold Vold of Madness was the first time when we were playing that before we learned that uh, a trick to it, which honestly I thought was cheesing it. <laughs> but if you had to, if it forced you to stay in the middle or those flame things came into those uh, in, in between the pillars, oh, that would have been an insanely difficult fight. And it was difficult when we weren't doing that. But that was the first one out of every dungeon we've done up until that point during leveling that I would say was difficult. And uh, honestly, a lot of it was us just being dumb. Like, if you move your feet, like, when we switched to ranged, I didn't get hit anymore. It was when I was trying to melee with the swirling circles, I didn't get hit anymore. And if you weren't getting hit, it's not a problem. And it wasn't too difficult. But people complaining that the dungeons are too hard... I'm not including veteran dungeons in this because I haven't done them yet. But do you feel like the leveling dungeons are too hard, Face? Oh, no. Not at all. Not at all. They are, like like I said, I, I think they could be harder. They really could. You, you have plenty of time, even fighting mobs out in the world, which I know I stand in because I'm a healer. You're going to kill it in two seconds. Why bother moving? But any mob in the world, any mob in a dungeon, when they're doing any type of move, you have plenty of time to see that red arc or that red line to move out of the way, to, to dodge. Like You have the ability to dodge, so dodge it. Otherwise, you're going to get knocked to the ground and stunned, and then you're taking more damage. Right. So, yeah, it's just, I honestly feel like the majority of the player base that's writing that the dungeons are too hard are just bad players trying to make up for the fact that they can't complete it. I even saw someone going, oh, Fungal Grotto, the leveling version, not even veteran rank, is too hard because we have a hard time finding a tank or, 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 a, or a full-time healer. It's like, dude, I've seen people do it with four DPS and someone with an off heal. Or even a Templar who just has a heal on his bar. It's not that difficult. You can do it without those other bosses. Like, what is, what's the problem? And, I, and even if that's not the case, it's just people are complaining that it's just, oh, it's too hard. And in reality, it's not. There were plenty of times before I really leveled my restoration staff where... I, you and I together made one healer because we just we both off healed and that's the way we went through the dungeons and we did perfectly fine just like that now when I first had to heal on my own a lot of people died because I was still learning <laughs> but now that I know how to do it I can heal anybody and the dungeons are too easy just way too easy Right. Now, see, I know there there was this difficult, or this was the issue with, um, and I'm going to pull up Warcraft again because it's the longest example that I have, but a lot of people complain that the Wrath dungeons, when they were Wrath of Lich King dungeons, were too easy. 
they were up until the Ice Crown Citadel ones, okay? Um, yeah, no, no. The first ones were too easy. People were like, I, I don't even pay attention when I'm running through dungeons anymore. And you'll see, here's the problem when people cater, and I think Blizzard caters to players a little too much when someone complains that it's too hard. They nerf it right away. Because you'll see this gradual change that they do early Wrath. Like, BC dungeons were hard. Like, you couldn't get into them. Like, and long, too. And same with Vanilla. Um, Wrath, they went shorter and easier. What happened? The player base complained, going, it's so easy, I don't even... I, I don't even watch. I have Netflix on and I'm just running a dungeon. You know, I, I don't even need to pay attention. So what did they do? They increased the difficulty with the ICC dungeons that were released. People went to the forums. The people who weren't paying attention are the bad players going, I can't complete this dungeon. This is too hard. It needs to be nerfed. It needs to be nerfed. So what did they do? They nerfed it. And then the hardcore players came on and went, guys you're nerfing it too much it's boring now i don't even want to run dungeons which then caused a problem for the 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 bad players because then no one wanted to run dungeons it took them forever to find groups and then they went to the forums and complained going well now i can't find any groups for these dungeons and blizzard sitting there scratching their head going well you ask us to nerf it so all the people who like doing dungeons because they were a challenge are no longer doing them because they're too easy so what did they do? Cataclysm came out, and the first thing they did was they made the dungeons really difficult again, trying to bring back that BC difficulty that the hardcore people wanted. And the bad players went to the forums again and complained, going, they're too hard, we can't get through them. And they nerfed them. And they nerfed them. And now they're easy again. And I know they did that with Mista Pandaria. All the dungeons are so easy... You don't even have to pay attention to them half the time. You can avoid mechanics. It's honestly, it's not fun. It's a grind. You go in. I go in there to have fun. Most people would go in there now just to get their valor cap because it's. But it takes 15 minutes. They don't have to pay attention. They don't have to do anything. It, it's just. It's just that. You know what I mean? And I think that's a problem. You need to set a difficulty that people can aspire to. Guild Wars 1 was awesome at this. Their dungeons that they released were difficult. And when people were like, they're so difficult, I can't complete them. They're like, nerf them now. Uh, ArenaNet at the time was like, no, learn how to do it. Now, that was at the beginning. Now, a couple years later, people were complaining about dungeons in Guild Wars 2. And someone said, we're not nerfing the difficulty. And they said, the main reason for this is once players learn, it won't be hard. People complain the same thing about, uh, oh, Fissure of Woe. Fissure of Woe is too hard to do. I can't do it. But then they're like, yeah, but by the time that Guild Wars 2 was released, people were soloing it because it was so easy and everyone knew how to do it now. We're going to wait for people to learn. What happened with Guild Wars 2 dungeons? They didn't nerf them. People eventually learned how to do them. And now you can clear them in like 10 minutes. Let players learn. Don't nerf it for them. They never learn then. They can just stay being bad players. And then when the bad players get up there and go, oh, I want to do trials. I want to do raids. And then they get they run into a brick wall because the damage is or it's it's too hard for them. 
because it was designed for coordinated group play. And then they whine, they complain until it's either nerfed or they cancel their sub. I mean, it's a fine line. People may cancel their sub. You know what? They'll never learn to be a better player if you don't keep the difficulty where it is. Make them learn. Don't nerf stuff. Wow. Um, Wow. About that. I agree. I completely agree. One of... I, I remember saying to you how much I hated Guild Wars 1 because it was so difficult. I hated playing with you. And I know you know this because it was so hard. I couldn't figure out how to play well and there was just so many different things going on and you had all these different kinds of characters and you could do this these skills, you could do this skill, you could do this weapon or that weapon. It was it was nuts. I I just want to say before you continue on was I think a lot of our problem was we had joined so late when Guild Wars 2 was announced so we went back to try to get rewards. We weren't through the learning process so we had a little bit more of a difficult time. But that that game was. It was definitely difficult and even after we learned how to do a lot of the dungeons when we went into the higher level dungeons and even when we had people with us there we were again feeling like noobs because... Those dungeons were difficult. But by the end, we had so many achievements, and we knew how to run everything. Learning to play gives you so much. You feel so much better once you finally learn how to play. You really do. Especially with raiding. When I first started raiding, I was not a good raider. And it was also more difficult for me because... I'm a woman. People don't want to teach women how to play. You, you, you pretty much just have to learn on your own. It's kind of how it is. But then I, I kept trying and I found, you know, one good guild who was okay with me being a woman. And, and I learned and how great at it. And it felt great to learn how to do those raids, how to run those dungeons, how to heal properly, how to tank and be awesome at it. So just give it a chance. Players have to learn. Don't nerf the dungeons. Make them harder if you can. But keep going at it. You know, and I agree with this. You don't get the sense of accomplishment from... I'll tell you, in ESO, the first six dungeons, did I feel accomplished? No. They were so easy when we did them, I, I barely felt like it mattered. I didn't feel accomplished... To be honest, it was just something to finish for a skill point. Um, unlike some raids I've done where I had to learn to do it, we fought for weeks to get it. Then I felt accomplished, and then I really liked it. You know, that's that's how it goes. And if you take away the difficulty, you take away the feeling of accomplishment, no one's going to... The people get bored. You're not going to get excited. You know what? Here, here's the challenge for people. There is a YouTube video. Look up World First uh, Kill Jaden Kill on for World of Warcraft. The World First Kill Jaden Kill. And just watch the video. It's a really awesome video. But when it gets close to it dying, you hear the people in their voice comms going, We can do it, guys. Keep going. Keep going. And when it finally da- downs, 
the entire vent just like it blows your eardrums out with everyone screaming yes that they finally did it because it was difficult they had worked for it and everyone was excited i challenge anyone to say they felt excited doing any content in ESO. I mean, honestly. I, I know it, it's kind of hard, because I'm an advocate of difficult, and I, I don't want anyone to take it the wrong way, and if Zenimax ever does listen, I want you guys to take this as a challenge. Make things difficult. I can go talk to Atropos and those over at Tamriel Foundry and ask how they felt when they di- when they finally got their world first kills of Hellra and Aetherian, and to be honest, I would bet you money if they weren't as excited as the people who got world first for Kill Jaden. I, I I highly doubt it because I don't think it was that difficult. 30, 40 hours of practice was it was all they needed to con- to uh, take those down. And it's just I, I don't know. Make it difficult. Make it so people want to play and are challenged. Alright. So that was our discussion topic for the week sorry kind of almost i should just change it from discussion topic to a jealous rant because that's pretty much what it was and last week it was you know that they use rants over pvp there we go we're no longer calling it discussion topic we are calling it the host rant that's what we're gonna do from now on so host rant is the official new title of this section all right now we're gonna move on to the tales of tamriel my favorite part, but uh, I know, unfortunately, we didn't get a lot of playtime in this week, did we? We got a little bit, but not as much as normal. Um, I've been very busy with trying to do some housework, trying to clean up that terrible pool. I'm talking, it's like Loch Ness Monster lives in it. it it's a mess. So we didn't get to play as much as I, I would have liked. But um, let's start off first talking about our characters. Now, the big news of the week is... Go ahead, you, you say it. Better Oh, oh, okay. The big news. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the big news is Jellos and I finally hit veteran rank. <laughs> we are now veteran rank one and we kind of danced around the house a little bit. It was it was awesome. Although I was a little mad at first because he hit veteran rank first. And I was furious. Five minutes before you did. Five minutes. That is so not true. He hit it about 30 minutes before me. And then for the next 30 minutes, I'm like in my seat grumbling, giving him, you know, eye dagger stares because, you know, he leveled before me. How dare he? I should level first. Me, not you. Me. So that was the big news. We hit better on rank and it was and it was awesome. But now I'm really seeing the change. Since we have hit veteran rank, we've completed a couple of quests. And I don't think our experience bar has moved at all. Just not at all. Now, see, here's, here's something I want to say first is I don't know if it will or not. Because technically we're still in Cold Harbor, which is the leveling zone. I don't know if you actually get veteran experience for completing quest in the 1 to 50 zone. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. If you hover over your experience bar, it tells you th- that you have experience. So we're, we're getting it from somewhere. I can only imagine it's coming from those quests. But we're not getting very much at all. Right. But again, we're, we're not in the veteran rank where you get... We're not in the veteran rank areas where... 
I think it it's doubled in those areas. So I think we're we're essentially killing green monsters in Warcraft going, why aren't we leveling very quick? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's essentially what we're doing. We're, we've over people were saying that they've been entering Cold Harbor by like I don't know, 40 46, 47 cuz even even the one quest is 48. Like the main quest line for the area uh um, is 48 like he says 48 we're 50 already because of how we level so that's kind of interesting but now that we're both veteran rank have you done anything different with your character this week i have not i have not except for trying to level certain skills so on my bar right now it just it just looks like a mess because I just have skills on there just to level them. So it's it's a mess. And I haven't I haven't actually gone for the daggers yet. It's still in my head. I just haven't made the decision because so many of my skill points are all over the place. So I'm still thinking about it. But that's that that's about it for my character this week. Nothing nothing really new. No. I'm gonna make you some VR one daggers. I have enough of that calmium or whatever it's called. I can make you two VR1 daggers if you want. Calcinium? Yes, yes. Whatever it is. It's kind of yellowish looking. I don't know. Yellow bricks. So, okay. Now, with my character, I'm about doing the same thing. I'm leveling up different skills and stuff like that. But I'm making a conscious effort to... To um, level up different skills. And my heavy armor hit 50... So now what I'm doing is I want to level up my medium armor and my, my light armor to 50 before we really get into the veteran stuff so I can kind of make a, a full VR1 set that looks good and, and, I can, and I can adventure forth with it. Now here's the thing that I'm, I'm thinking of is I'm, I'm going to level, I have my bow again and I'm working on my bow, but once my bow hits 50 is, I'm always going to be switching out my secondary weapon, even though bow is probably going to be my main secondary weapon going forward when I'm maxed out. Um, so I'm going to be working on my bow. Once it's 50, I'm going to pull up the next weapon, and I'll start working on that. I'm, I'm thinking it's probably going to be sword and shield, because I was working on that a little bit earlier, get that to 50, dual wield, etc., and go down the line. So I eventually want to get it all to 50. So that's my character for now. So. Now what we did this week is we finished up the Rift. And I got to say, I love the Rift. I, I absolutely adore it. And we had taken care of a few things around the Rift section. Such as, clear. I know we cleared out a couple zombies. And we were chasing a bunch of worm cultists around that area. And the whole idea of the Rift was to clear out and kill any worm cultists in the area and slay Sigmar, the giant that they raised. Now that took us all the way down to the area of Trollheta. We went in, we got it, we killed it. Happy days. Apparently, I didn't know this, but Trollheta is a mountain between Morrowind and Skyrim, so they both share a border of it. And I guess they both claim it as part of their realms from time to time. Like, it normally switches hands. Now that we're part of the pack, though, I guess we all share it. But uh, before, um, it was a common point of contention about who owned it and who didn't. Now, 
I know that the the Dark Elves build a Daedric Ruin on the top of it, and that's where we're currently at. Now, once we finished and, and finished that entire storyline in the Rift, we went back to the city and we started the main quest line that takes us to Cold Harbor. I really don't want to give a whole lot away of it because it is the main quest line. So if anyone doesn't want to hear about what goes on in Cold Harbor, you can uh, skip to our next section now. Uh, we're going to be vague. I'm going to try not to talk about the main storyline, which is the, uh, you know, the first section or anything along those lines. But when we arrive, where's the first place we arrive at? It's uh, we meet a very friendly and familiar face when we enter Cold Harbor. I absolutely love Cadwell. Just absolutely love him. And, and I think it's just because he's insane. And I know that your favorite Daedra Prince is Sheogorath because he's insane. So Cadwell is just phenomenal to me. And when we arrive, he's, he's just already there chilling. He's like, oh, look who's here. Hi, how you doing? And then he starts just talking about all kinds of uh, this direction and this direction. And then we start asking him questions. And he's just really awesome. I love Cadwell. But then we go forward and we cross this bridge into Cold Harbor and we come upon this just gigantic, gorgeous city, just smack dab in the middle of Cold Harbor. And it's eerie because the city is so pretty and it's right there. And I remember Ag even saying, like, what is this city doing here? Like, why is this here? And when you go in, it's completely deserted. You don't you don't see anybody except for what was it? The one person called the groundskeeper. Yeah, that, that's the only person you see. And she starts talking to you. And when you land, oh man, I, I see when I talk, I go into too much detail. I just want to start saying everything, but I can't because we're trying to be as spoiler free as possible. So you're talking to her and she's telling you that you have to gather your companions. You have to repopulate this, this city. You have to make it thriving again. And by doing this, you'll, you'll have the force you need to overcome any obstacle. And it's just, it's, it's really exciting going across the map, doing the quests, and then going back to the town and seeing the town just change around you. Right. And um, I, I know part of the really interesting part of, of this entire thing is as you do the different quests, people come back to the city and repopulate it. And um, it's, it's just, I, I love it. it. It's really cool as you're trying to rebuild this, this uh, bastion of defense in the realm of Cold Harbor against Moleg Ball. And um, I know... What we should do is let, let's talk about the one half of the area that we've completed. We didn't even do all of it, but we did kind of the lower southwestern section. So we're going to talk about that this week, and we'll continue from there. So the first place that we actually explored out, because we had to pick a direction, because she pretty much gave us the quest going, you know, the main quest line, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but essentially we're, we're supposed to restore the city. And there's two important figures that we have to rescue and restore the city that's part of our the main quest and we 
are told to pick a direction and anyone you find help so we can save them. So I guess the first direction we went is we started head southwest. So as we came out southwest, we found, um, I think the first place we found was this alien ruin. Now, again, if you remember what Cold Harbor is, it's almost like a complete recreation of Nern, except for it's much darker. But because it's a recreation of Nern, everything is just jumbled because it's oblivion. So, like, there's an alien rune next to an ancient, um, an ancient Argonian uh, area, town and, and all these different sections. Like, it seems like anyone that Molig Ball ensnares and, like, curses, he just grabs everything that they did. And just plops it into Cold Harbor going, okay, you're mine. Let's recreate your home in in this section. Um, in particular, this the, the ruin that we go into, we find some previous people that we helped throughout the Ebonheart Pack storyline. Um, they're two... They're a brother and sister who wanted to join the Mages Guild. And, they're at, and they explore all these dwarven ruins. And they're trying to find something to um, get them into the Mage's Guild and make them famous. The brother's more scholarly, the sister's kind of a rogue, and she you know, likes the fighting and the exploring. Now, we discover them in this library, and there's a Daedric curse on the library that the people inside are mesmerized by a spell. Uh, Thais, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? All right, let's see here. What was it called? It's called the Library of Dusk. There we go. I really enjoyed this quest because it made you see just just how the spells and the illusion of the Molly Ball kind of work. Because when you go in, the sisters, she's completely normal. She's talking to you. And the illusions and the spells have not affected her much at all, really. But she tells you that there are three other scholars who are in this library that need our help. They were reading books and they're trying to learn, but now they are trapped in these just specific areas that you, you have to get them out of. It's particularly interesting because when you walk in the door, you have to go and look through these three windows and try and remember where these three scholars are located in their jail cells. Because when you go down the steps, all of a sudden, you're looking at three totally different uh, cells for each one of those scholars. And, you know, uh, stupid me, I run to the, to the first stack of books and I start talking to the guy. And it's, you know, it's not the right guy. <laughs> so I wind up having to fight you know, a daydream, and I go, oh, huh, this is kind of strange. I don't know what's going on here. So I go around the corner to the next stack of books, and I talk to that guy, and he's not the right guy either. So then I'm like, hey, help me, I'm going to die. So then we have to kill him. Finally, it clicks that, oh, wait a minute, we were looking through those windows, and it, it was, it, it says things like, I don't know, there's green lanterns and an emblem of some god. What, you know, I don't know, there's hundreds of them, one of them. And that's how you're supposed to identify what cells those individual people are in. 
so finally after I, I, I realized this, my memory is really bad and I'm trying to tell Ag, I, I think I figured it out. I think it might be this this cell. I think that's the one he's in. And you know, Ag is looking at me like he doesn't really believe me because my memory can't be trusted. <laughs> but it turns out I was right and I was very happy. And we, we were able to, to talk to him. And at first he's saying that he has to stay. That, that the books are so amazing and he's learning so much, and, but he doesn't feel right. And I think Ag chose the option to just slap him across the face. And that's what woke him up out of the spell. After that happened, we, we snapped him out of it and he's like, oh, wow, this, this isn't good. I have to get out of here. Listen, there's like, you know, one other person who's still trapped and... I don't know where they are, but I have to get myself out of here before I lose my mind again. It was an amazing quest. And I, I know I just I spoiled like half the quest and I, I feel bad now. But I didn't give everything away. It's, it's definitely a quest that, that I think people would enjoy. Just looking at how devious the, the illusion spell is, even when you're only there and thirsty for knowledge. Right. Now... The next section that we went to after that, um, we actually went down to an ancient Argonian village. And we find out, as you talk to the people, there's a two castes. There's the scholar's caste and the warrior's caste who are at odds. And when you go to help them, you find out from them uh, that they actually made a deal with Moleg Ball a long time ago. And as such part of the deal, I, get, I think it was that Molag Ball would be allowed to harvest the sap of their of their history, but in return, they would their history would never die. He would keep it going. Um, so of course they accepted the deal, only to find out they had been tricked. And their entire civilization, this city, this unknown city, was literally plucked out of Nern and dropped into Cold Harbor. Now this was. What's kind of interesting is when you're in Cold Harbor, you meet people from all eras of life because there is no time in Cold Harbor or it flows differently. Um, and these people, like, there are Argonians that still live in those, what are they called, Xanaroks or Xanar... I can't remember what they were called, but they're the... They kind of look like the Aztec pyramids. There's a specific... Xanahirs, I think they were called. I'm sorry if I got the wrong guys. It's been a while since I looked at it. But before they moved into those, like they moved out of those sometime early in the history of Nern. We don't really know when, but they stopped using them. They abandoned them. But this civilization has still been part of it or been living in it for all this time. And while to them probably no time has passed at all in Cold Harbor, millennia have passed in the outside world and we find out that as with anything with these daedric princes the deal that they made sounded good at first but there was a catch their tree is dying and the only reason why it's kept alive is there's a vampiric shard that's keeping it alive but unfortunately keeping it alive in a very unnatural way just as with anything molig ball it's essentially the tree is in undeath if trees can be undead um so 
part of the quest is we have to prove to the Argonians that we we uh, we are their friends and we go under their tests. Test of the, I think it's test of the body and test of the spirit. Um, and as we're going through, we we earn their trust. And here's where the the trick is: after we earn their trust, we have to make a decision. Is the scholar the reason why the the cast are split? The scholars want to let the tree die because this unnatural vampiric death is 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 not right, and they should let it move on even if it means oblivion and they know their people cannot survive without the hiss that they'll go along too. the warriors on the other hand believe that life is precious no matter what kind of life it is and they don't want their history to die and that life should be preserved zanmir is what they're called okay awesome to thais for her awesome uh, library lookup skills i saw i was talking so they were called zanmirs uh the the uh architectural pyramids if you will so now with anything I think we we chose to ally ourselves with the scholars because of course we're not going to keep the tree alive using vampiric so we actually destroy the shards and um and the the history life in that section but we did get a bunch of argonians in in the hollowed city which was really really neat because they kind of moved in there's like they moved into a house they put their little argonian stuff outside and the city starts slowly filling up that that quest was particularly hard for me because as as our fans know i i have a, a special bond with the argonians i i wish i was one in real life and and ag would have to love me no matter what and rub lotion all over my scaly skin and and I do. I, I love the Argonians. And I just, I could not bear to let that history survive in constant pain and suffering. I just, it, that, that quest was, oh, it was heartbreaking. It was so sad. And then, and the warriors say, like, all life is precious no matter what. Like, no, this is your history. Why would you want your history to suffer when it is there for you it provides you with so much you should be able to provide for it as well and it was oh it was was such a good quest and oh it was so sad but i know that we made the right choice right so now we moved them into the city and we decided we're going to move up into an area called what is it the moon what is it called the little tree you see the little tree on the map yeah the tree the tree up there the moonless walk thank you it's a tree do you not see the tree well considering there's five billion icons on this interactive map i i didn't focus in on on the one tree in all of this you know dead and cracked symbols sorry there babe <sighs> man you can definitely tell that she's not a good navigator. Don't ask her to find anything. It'll take her forever. Anyway, we continue on into the moonless path. And we get it. What's kind of neat about this is. Have, be- it's called the moonless walk. Moonless walk. Okay. Anyway, with the moonless walk, we're being, we have to find the different uh, fighters guild people that got lost in the woods. And they're being hunted down by a group of wood elves known as shadow walkers and we actually find one of the shadow walkers who's trying to find because she's sick and tired of the bloodshed 
here again, as with every section in the city, um, her people made a pact. I, I forget why they made a pact. Do you remember what it was? Uh, I believe the pact was for power and just and immortality. But in exchange, they had to protect this forest from, from everybody. That was their job. They were the protectors of this forest for power and immortality. Anyway, um, so yeah, as we're, we're going in and fighting, um, fighting our way through to try to find it, we actually find the, the Fighters Guild person, and he's actually being protected by Alamia, which one of the snake peoples. And again, we are presented with a choice. Um, we're presented with a choice of either helping the Shadow Walkers or the Lamia. Because we need to get into this place called the Lightless Obliette. Um, and that's part of the main storyline. So I'm not going to go into what we do in there. But that's one of the things that we had to do. And we had to ally ourselves with one of them. And they would show us how to get in. And I uh, and I took Thais's, uh, I guess, choice in this. And she wanted to help the snake people. I... I... We, I really struggled with this decision because the, the Shadow Walkers were Bosmer. They were just gross, icky, just nasty Bosmer. And they had just killed our Warrior Guild companions and they tried to kill me. And they're just like attacking anybody that walks into this forest. And that was not, not cool with me. Even though this one Bosmer was like, hey, we need help. So for, I, think, I think it was for a good... 30 minutes or so I was struggling with with this decision I even went to guild chat to find out what people had picked and two of the people that responded one of them picked the Bosber and the other one picked the Lamia and I just I, I, I could not pick the Bosmer after speaking to the Lamia and the Lamia saying that these shadow walkers had stolen their eggs and that the Lamia never outright attacked anybody who walked in. Only if you got too close did they, did they attack. And that, to me, was, was more just fantastic than these stupid Bosmer just attacking anybody who looks at the forest the wrong way. So it was my decision to help the Lamia. And I, it, was, oh, it was great. I'm, I'm really glad we, we chose to help them. Well, I wanted Thais to finish the story here, but I'll continue on with it. One neat thing is when we chose the Lamia, like they said we wouldn't work together, but the Wood Elf said, all right, listen, I know you chose them. I, I'm so angry. I don't even want to deal with you. But as long as you do not kill any of my brothers and sisters, I will join you as well. So we, had to, we actually had to do the rest of the mission, which was retrieving the eggs, completely stealth. Because we couldn't attack any of them because I wanted, I wanted the Bosmer. She wanted the snake people. I hate the snake people. Um, but I, it worked out because then I could get her in there too. As long as I didn't kill anyone. So we were all stealthing and we actually came and, and saved the eggs and got out of there. Um, and then the snake showed us the way into the tower. And there we go. We finished that and we brought back one of the main people for the main storyline. 
So that is going to be the end of our tales section for this week. Next week, I'm going to talk about the second half. I know we ventured a little further, but I want to finish that entire half as a whole because that it seems like Cold Harbor split into uh, thirds, and the top half, the western half, and the eastern half all have a story that kind of intertwines a little bit together um, as you go along. So since we're not done with the eastern half yet, we're going to hold that off till next week. So that ends our tales. So it's time to move on to the dramatic reading. This week, um, we are continuing our series from within the Elder Scrolls Online itself. And let's see. We're, oh, we're on the fifth part of our eight-part series uh, known as the Daedric Princes. The book is called The House of Troubles. Thais, take it away. The author of The House of Troubles is Anonymous. Um, oh my, I'm sorry. Hold on, my computer's beeping at me. I don't know why it's doing that. Okay. Among the ancient ancestral spirits who accompanied St. Veloth and the Chimer into the promised land of Morrowin, the four Daedra lords, Melakath, Mehrunes Dagon, Molag Bal, and Sheagorath, are known as the Four Corners of the House of Troubles. These Daedra lords rebelled against the counsel and admonition of the tribunal, causing great kin strife and confusion among the clans and great houses. Malakath, Mehrunes Dagon, Molag Bal, and Sheagorath are holy in that they serve the role of obstacles during the testing. Through time, they have sometimes been associated with local enemies, like the Nords, Akaviri, or Mountain Orcs. Malakath is the reanimated dung that was Trinimac. Malakath is a weak but vengeful god. The Dark Elves say he is Malak, the god-king of the orcs. He tests the Dunmer for physical weakness. Molagbal is, in Morrowind, the king of rape. He tries to upset the bloodlines of houses and otherwise ruin the Dunmer gene pool. A race of monsters, said to live in Molag Amor, are the result of his seduction of the Vec during the previous era. Sheagorath is the king of madness. He always tests the Dunmer for mental weakness. In many legends, he is called upon by one Dunmer faction against another. In half of these stories, he does not betray those who call him, further confusing the issue of his place in the scheme of things. Can he help us? Is he not an obstacle? He is often associated with the fear of other races have of the Dunmer, especially those who, like the Empire, might prove as useful allies. Mehrun Stegon is the god of destruction. He is associated with natural dangers like fire, earthquakes, and floods. To some, he represents the inhospitable land of Morrowind. He tests the Dunmer's will to survive and persevere. The worship of these four malevolent spirits is against the law and practice of the temple. However, the four corners seldom fail to discover those greedy, reckless, or mad enough to serve them. By ancient temple law and custom, and also by imperial law, the lives of witches and warlocks are forfeit, and imperial garrisons join ordinators and bouillant armigers of the temple in tracking down and destroying those 
foul covens in the wilderness refugees and ancient ruins where they conceal their profane worships. All right, that was pretty awesome. Those are the guys that you're not going to like. Okay, moving on to the next part. It is the weekly, or not weekly, the community spotlight. This week for the community spotlight, I took a suggestion from one of our fans that mentioned a fan site to me. I went and looked it over, and I'm really glad I did. The site is called KajitGamer.com. Now, this site is mostly an RP-type site where the site owners tell tales from the point of view of their Khajiit characters, both in Skyrim and ESO, from what I can uh, read so far. And while they are quite enjoyable to read, um, one of the neatest things that I've seen, and honestly one of the most unique things from a fan site that I've personally seen, was Recipes. Yes, recipes. They took certain recipes found within the ESO universe and found real-world ingredients and made them in real life. And I actually wanted to share one with you. One of the things they have here is called Gar Pot Pie. And the author of it goes on saying that on her adventures, Tahara discovered a book with a single recipe on it. Horker Pie, it was called. Strange, Tahara didn't uh hadn't seen any horkers around that part of tamriel cooking is about experimentation a science yes it speaks in kajiti third person Tahara altered the recipe to fit the kajiti tongue Tahara discovered the taste of gar you may think it odd but they taste good for eating yes that's what i said you have seen the batman gar right yes <laughs> yes yes and it's really neat um they took this recipe for Horker Pie and they changed the recipe going, um, they harvested all the ingredients and they need one pound of gar and they put in little, yeah, like quote parentheses, chicken breast cubed because they look like, if you look at the little gar, they look like little dinosaur chickens. And then they actually, you know, gather a cup of sliced carrots, three to four medium red potatoes, half pound fresh green beans cut into small pieces, uh, third cup butter, third cup flour, half teaspoon salt, quarter teaspoon black pepper, quarter teaspoon seeds of celery. I don't really know what that is. Um, one and three fourth cups gar chicken broth, <laughs> and two third cup of milk and two unbaked pie crust. Now it's really neat because they took the pictures and stuff like that, and you actually see them as they're preparing this real life meal. And it's funny, they're like, now it's time to warm the fire in your oven to 425 degrees. Uh, and it's just, it's really cool. They actually mix it together, uh, all the different stuff. And you see the pictures on the website of them cooking this food. And they made the gar pot pie based on the recipe from Elder Scrolls Online. And I thought that was really neat. So I wanted to highlight it just because I thought it was so cool and so unique. I haven't seen anyone else really do. I think I've seen someone cook a sweet roll once, which, by the way, they have a recipe for sweet rolls on here, too. Um, but it is really cool. So I do want to thank uh, Khajiit Gamer for being an awesome and unique, in terms of your real-life recipes, uh, part of the Elder Scrolls community. Thank you so much. All right. Um, a time for the Guild Spotlight, where we talk about the Guild. Uh, not much going on um for this week uh but 
As always, if anyone's interested in joining the Friends and Family Guild for the fans of the Tales of Tamriel podcast, you can whisper or send an in-game mail to at Agelos, that's A-G-G-E-L-O-S, or to at Tear Eater, T-E-A-R-E-A-T-E-R for an invite to the guild, or anyone else that's actually in the guild, come hang out with us. If you want to PvP with us in Cyrodiil, we are representing the Ebonheart Pact on the Hope's Fire campaign. Um, Blood for the Pact. Blood for the Pact. In the next couple weeks, uh, I am trying to figure out what we're going to do for another guild event. I'm still trying to decide whether or not we want to do the Cyrodiil public dungeons and exploring around Cyrodiil, or if we're going to do the... uh, you know, a public dungeon in like Ebonheart Pack starting areas or something like that, and just mad rush through them for lobbies and stuff like that. I haven't, I haven't decided yet, and I'll figure that out for a later episode, and we will announce it here. Okay, moving on to the next section: the emails, iTunes reviews, stuff of that nature. So, uh, Ace, why don't you read us the one iTunes review we got this week? New ESO player. This podcast is so enjoyable. Five stars. I love this podcast. I'm not so familiar with the Elder Scrolls series, but I just bought the Elder Scrolls online, and this podcast really helps me orient myself. Keep them coming, guys. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we only got one five-star review for this week, but I do want to thank um, new ESO player. I imagine that they made a iTunes account just to comment on it, so I appreciate that. That is really awesome. And we do love getting iTunes reviews. They help us out a lot. Now, this week we did get a lot of emails. So we're going to go over those. I'm going to let Ace read more of them. Go ahead. You can read this next one. Hi. This email is from... Whoa. Okay. um, Jamie. Hey, guys. Just finished the latest Craglorn episode. Another great show, and particularly enjoy the heated PvP debates. Bit of a long shot, but as a UK player, I am sad that I don't have the chance to join your guild and play with your community. I was just wondering whether you had any plans in the future to expand your presence to the EU server at all. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Jamie. Um, thank you for emailing in, Jamie. It's really nice. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed our show. Unfortunately, and I, I emailed them back directly as well, but I want to reiterate it here that we are a small community. I mean, the hosts of the show are just my wife and I. We both only play on the U.S. side. And I really feel bad for the the European because even larger podcasts such as Elder Scrolls Off the Record, I think they canceled their plans on having uh, European support for their community guilds because they were originally going to do that as well, that they were going to have... Uh, us uh for both the ps4 the xbox and but they couldn't they couldn't field the staff to have it in both places and then also to replicate on the eu side and that's unfortunately where we're at i mean we're a we're a small podcast only only the two of us and um yeah we we just don't have the manpower to spread out to the uk and I am sorry about that because we do have a lot of friends in the UK and a lot of people over there that like to write to us and, and listen to our show. So we love our our uh, UK and EU fans and all those and all those guys over there. Unfortunately, we we just we don't play on that server and we don't have anyone on our staff that does. So sorry. <laughs> Keep listening to us. 
We love you guys. All right. The next email, I'm going to read this. This is from Todd. He just listened to episode 18 and enjoys the podcast. Thank you for that uh, quick email there, Todd. We do appreciate that. I'm going to have you read the next one. All right. This one is from Justin. I really enjoy listening to this podcast. This is my first MMO, and since there was no instruction manual included with the game, I turned to a spoiler-free podcast. I have listened to podcasts for other games and really enjoy listening to the conversations while driving to work or at work on rare occasions. Tales of Tamriel has become one of those now. Smiley face. I am currently on episode 16, so I'm almost caught up. Thanks to this podcast, I've learned a few things that I probably would not have figured out on my own. I will continue to listen to this podcast and hope it will be running for a long time. If by subscribing to Tales of Tamriel by email means getting release schedules for the upcoming episodes and such, please sign me up. Hope everyone on the show is doing well and look forward to listening to all of you again soon. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for that uh, for that email. And this is J-Rash in-game, by the way. J-Rash. That's what he said. Um, if you subscribe to Tales of Tamriel by email, you will just get a notification in your email box anytime something changes on the website. It's an auto-generated email that gets kicked out anytime I post something, either a news article or a... Um, a, a new podcast episode you will get that notification and that's what the subscribing by email does for you so that's it as for production schedules i mean every we're a weekly podcast we recorded every sunday um i don't think we missed a sunday yet actually so that's i think that's pretty good Tw almost 20 episodes in and it's been weekly um not saying that we won't take a break at some point because i'm sure we will Naturally, we all got to uh, take vacations and stuff, but I don't see that happening anytime real soon. But we will definitely let you know if that's going to happen via our social media channels, Facebook, the website, that kind of stuff. All right. Our final email, and I saved this one last for our purpose, is from Aiden. Hey, guys, big fan of the show. I heard your cries for a community site to shout out, and here I am. This isn't my site, but I love it and how creative it is. I know you guys are, aren't great fans of the Dominion, but this site, Khajiitgamer, KajitGamer.com, is a really fun and creative site. Something I love about this site is that they uh, don't only have gameplay and reviews, they have recipes and other stuff like that. Check it out and maybe you'll end up using it on your next show. Thanks for all you guys do with the community. Um... I've been, I don't know if that's a spelling error or not, but it says peace. Oh, oh, is it? Oh, cool. Cool. Awesome. Now I know. Sorry. <laughs> so, yes, those were the guys we did community spotlight of, and that's why I wanted to save him to last on here. So, thank you, Aiden. You rock. Thank you for pointing out that site to me because that's really cool. I actually might try out some of those recipes. I know I'm going to break out the cook in here and maybe try it out. Hey, I'll eat it. I don't care. Okay. Thank you so much. And that's the end of our email section. Now we're going to move on to our final thoughts for this episode. Well, Thais, tell us what you thought for the episode. I, I'm actually really sad that I read the book so horribly. 
if, if, if any of you hear any kind of like pinging going on while I'm reading the book, it's because my computer was screaming at me over some antivirus thing, and it was really distracting. So I apologize to the fans. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't get it to stop. I don't know why I was doing that. But other than that, the discussion topic was fun. That that was that was interesting, and and oh, as all we what? don't call it discussion topics. That's right. We call it the host rant. Right? Yeah. All right. Uh, the the host rant was a lot of fun this week, and for for all the emails and you know all the, all the fans, they're amazing. I never get to really say thank you, and I just I really do want to say thank you to everyone out there who listens to the show and writes writes in and sends us comments. And you guys are truly amazing. Definitely, and I, I echo those sent, uh, sentiments as well. It's it's the fans that keep us coming back and doing this every week because we do love getting your emails, the iTunes reviews, the the messages in-game. Oh, my goodness. I haven't even been reading the messages I get in-game. I probably start sh- I should start doing that, um, but I do get mails in-game from all sorts of people, and Thais does as well. That just tells us they love the show. Uh, some join our guild and chat with us in there, and hang out with us and it, it, it's a good time it, it's nice to be able to interact i love getting whispers and being able to interact with the community it's one of my favorite things uh they used to tell you my face lights up every time someone sends me a whisper she's like who, who are you whispering i'm like oh it's a fan of the show <laughs> it, it's really cool and you guys definitely make it worthwhile for us as you can see ag is a uh, ag is a gigantic dork just putting that out there I don't think anyone here is to uh, defend that, that I'm not. I, I agree with that. But, so, my final thoughts for the show is really just that. I mean, I, I love doing the show. I love interacting with the fans. And I think it's a, it's a good show. It's a little bit of a slow news week. Um, so, I think we're a little lower end on the time for our show. I think we're an hour and 40 minutes, so shy of two hours. But that's... It's still fairly long um, for not having a lot of news this week. And, um, yeah, so I hope everyone enjoys the show. And I do want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me this afternoon. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast, as everyone probably just heard a bike go by because we have the window open. If you want to help support the podcast, feel free to donate via the PayPal link on our website. If you wish to contact us with questions, comments, criticism, the website for our show is talesoftamriel.com. Uh, or you can email the show at podcast at talesoftamriel.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Tales of Tamriel or Facebook at facebook.com slash Tales of Tamriel Podcast or on YouTube at youtube.com slash Tales of Tamriel. Also, feel free to rate and subscribe to us via iTunes. That helps us out. A whole bunch and before i finally finish off anyone who's interested in getting that imperial edition code please go to talesoftamriel.com look for episode 19 and comment in the sections about why you are interested in eso if the if you want the the code for yourself or if you're trying to get someone into the game let us know that and we will decide who we're giving it to next week on episode 20 thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode of tales of tamriel have a great week